certainly a, a blessing to be together today. And after a week like the week that we've had, I don't know that uh, there's any other place that I would rather be. And um, I want to make a couple of notes on some things to you. Uh, you know that uh, our dear friend, brother, deacon, Bob passed away this week. And the, the immediate question <laughs> that comes to mind as a pastor is, Who's going to take that mantle? Who's going to step up and own the ministry of Cedar View Baptist Church like Bob Jones did? I mean, man, faithful brother, some of you did not hear on Friday morning when we were in here honoring him, celebrating his life and giving thanks to God. Um, that he served as a deacon here at Cedarview for 35 years. 35 years. Like, most folks would not think of being at the same church for even anywhere near that long, much less serve as a deacon. Imagine all the struggles he had to wade through, the counsel he had to give, and those kind of things. That is the kind of resilience, and for the sake of our sermon today, the persistence that we need as the church of the Lord Jesus here in our day. It's uncommon, unfortunately. So this week has been heavy, and uh, I'm hoping that something relatively clear will come out of my mouth this morning as I preach. Um, Aaron and I, just so you know, Aaron and I will be heading out this, this afternoon, Lord willing, on a plane for a few days to celebrate our 15th anniversary. So we are even more so looking forward to it after the week that we've had. And as I'm thinking about it, I want to mention that uh, uh, Ruth Bishop's arrangements are for Wednesday. They will be here at the church. Visitation, 10 a.m. The service will be at 11 a.m. And Kyle is going to be the one to... Uh, officiate that that funeral and uh, so come and and bless this family and I'll, I'll tell you um, I think that her son and daughter-in-law they desperately need the love of the church right now and we have a wonderful opportunity to minister to them in these days keep this in mind somebody sent me something this morning somebody that I love and cherish and he has regularly encouraged me uh, especially in weeks like this. And he sent me a, uh, a screenshot of something that uh, Dane Ortland had posted. And here's what he said. I think he said it better than I can say it. So he said, some weeks preaching comes way too soon. Other weeks preaching can't come soon enough. Every week it is an unspeakable terrifying, exhilarating privilege to speak God's very words to fellow sinners and sufferers. And so, with the help of the Spirit, 
We'll try to make sense of this passage and maybe God would be honored in our time. Thank you. Would you mind grabbing me a water? I'm missing Cheryl today. I'm fine. I don't need these. Okay, we're going to pick back up in Jeremiah 37. Jeremiah 37, and we are, we're going to read this whole passage together, and then um, then we'll walk through it. I have a few hopefully helpful principles we're going to unpack a little bit. Um, but I want to give you the context here because, as we've said over and over again in Jeremiah, it's hard to keep track of where we are in the story because it's not necessarily chronological. And so um, we are about 15 years later than the most previous passages we've been studying. So you remember Jehoiakim and he cut the scroll and burned it. That all happened like 15 or 16 years. Thank you. Prior to the events of this text today. So there's a different king 15 or 16 years later, Zedekiah. Now also, you may recall, the occasion when the bond servants were set free and then later they were re-enslaved. Uh, this is happening probably soon after those bond servants were set free. It's during the time when the Babylonian army had turned their attention to Egypt, and so their siege of Jerusalem was letting up. And it was also before the occasion when Jeremiah was called on to be the kinsman redeemer, where he redeemed that piece of land. To give you the framework, you, you remember those stories, you remember those, those passages that we have studied. So we're right here, uh, maybe just a couple of years before Jerusalem was actually taken by Babylon. So let's read with this in mind, Jeremiah 37. Hear the word of the Lord. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the priest, the son of Messiah, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. Now Jeremiah was still going in and out among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. The army of Pharaoh had come out of Egypt. And when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard news about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, thus shall you say to the king of Judah who sent you to me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army that came, in to, help you, came to help you is about to return to Egypt, to its own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go away. For even if you should defeat the whole army of Chaldeans who are fighting against you, and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. Now when the Chaldean army 
had withdrawn from Jerusalem at the approach of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah set out from Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to receive his portion there among the people. When he was at the Benjamin gate, a sentry there named Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are deserting to the Chaldeans. Jeremiah said, It is a lie. I'm not deserting to the Chaldeans. But Erijah would not listen to him and seized Jeremiah, and they brought him to the officials. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah, and they beat him and imprisoned him in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for it had been made a prison. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Jeremiah also said to King Zedekiah, What wrong have I done to you or your servants or this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who prophesied to you saying, The king of Babylon will not come against you and against this land? Now here, please, O my lord, the king, let my humble plea come before you and do not send me back to the house of Jonathan the secretary, lest I die there. So King Zedekiah gave orders, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guard, and a loaf of bread was given him daily from the baker's street until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. Let's pray once more. Father, help us. Understand and apply your word today for your glory, for the exaltation of Christ. Send your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title, I don't know if the title is good for what I'm going to say today, but I, I titled this Persistence from Prison, and persistence is the key word today. That's the key word. That's what I want you to come away with. The theme simply from this text is God calls his people to persistence in ministry. We understand what it's like. Sometimes in gospel ministry, in the ministry of the church, it feels like we're spinning our wheels. Maybe you see it in terms of your own family members or your neighbors or the people that you care about enough to share the gospel with. And it's like they just don't seem to be responding and things don't seem to be moving forward. It feels like we're getting nowhere. It feels like, let's just be honest, it feels like a waste of time. I think when we look at examples like Jeremiah, we're going to see that persistence. You see this brother, I think it's even kind of odd. It's out of character for him to ask the king for just a little bit of relief. Because it almost seems like he's just willing to be faithful and sort of let things happen how God wants them to happen. Prison, fine. A pit, fine. That's coming next week. Do what you want with me. I'm going to be faithful to preach the word of God. This is what Jeremiah does. And we ought to have this same kind of persistence. And let's not stop with Jeremiah. Let's get to So God calls his people to persistence in ministry. So I want to give you four principles related to persistence in ministry. And this is where I hope it all kind of fits together for you. We're going to get two from Zedekiah in the first half of this passage. And then two from Jeremiah. And the first one, first principle of four, God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. 
God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. I borrow the words of uh, Bregeman here in verses 1 through 5 to make that point. But you heard the vast difference between verses 1 and 2 and then verses 3 through 5. Essentially, verse 2. Neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. But yet, Zedekiah sends people to Jeremiah to say, hey, will you pray for us before the Lord God? Will you pray for us, please? You know, we're, we're hard-headed, all of us. I know some of you, you know, your kids, you probably, you probably call them hard-headed. You probably got called hard-headed at some point. We're stubborn. By nature, we are hard-headed, maybe self-deceived. And this happens maybe for long seasons where we think, in terms of God, we can sort of block off a part of our lives that he won't touch. And then we can look like and feel like and convince ourselves that we're, we're okay with God, we're sort of growing and, and we're doing well, yet this is the untouchable stuff. It's off limits. We're hard-headed like this. And that lends itself to what we're speaking to here in the life of Zedekiah. I refuse to hear what God says about this, about that, but you know what? I'm going to see if I can still get some blessings from him through the prayer of the prophet. Pastorally, people in habitual sin often ask me for prayer. Undoubtedly, you've encountered people living in sin, maybe people that know the gospel, and they, they ask you for prayer. And the thing is, when people ask me to pray for them, and I know something is not right in their lives, I know this to be true, I revel in the fact that they can't make me pray any certain thing. And you know what? Oftentimes, my prayer, and we don't know what Jeremiah actually prayed here. It's not recorded. He may not have even prayed. But oftentimes, my prayer, if they're in sin, is God make them absolutely miserable. And if they ask me, I'd be glad to say, you know, I pray that God would make you miserable until you repent. Unrepentant people expecting the mercy of God. This is Zedekiah. People not listening to God but making requests. It's a one-sided relationship. Only letting God speak when you know he's going to speak to the things you want to hear. God bless my job, but you've got shady business. God bless my marriage, but the screen is the mistress. God bless my future, but only my plans, not yours. And it goes on and on and on. God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. We must get this because, number one, it's going to apply to us, if not right now, at some point in our lives, but it also is going to apply for persistence in ministry. This is the recurring theme of the life of the church, constantly laboring side by side with the saints, discipling one another, overcoming sin, repenting of sin, growing, making headway. There's always an obstacle in the faith, and we must be persistent knowing that we can't just ask for God's aid 
and disregard his word. We must obey his word if we're going to expect anything good from him. God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. Secondly, second principle, without surrender, judgment doesn't change. Verses 6 through 10. And so there's no reason to think from this text that Jeremiah prayed. In fact, you may recall, he was told by God not to pray for them. <laughs> Don't pray for this people. It's not going to work. Chapter 7, verse 16. Chapter 14, verse 11. But it seems that these verses 6 through uh, 10 here are sort of a preemptive answer. God steps in knowing that they want to hear from him. So his words basically, the threat uh, because of Egypt, the threat will lighten the siege, but you are not escaping what's coming. You know, and I compare this with what we have just recently covered in terms of expecting God's work, expecting repentance. And I've been challenged in that this, this past week since I used that in my sermon. I think I've been more challenged in that. Believing through God's promises, believing that his work will happen in the hearts of people as I look at them and I plead for them to turn to Jesus. But you compare right here, this passage seems to have diminished expectations. It's like weary of expecting God's work to happen. That's what it feels like. It almost feels like the hope is slipping away that we don't truly expect that Jeremiah or even God, they don't truly expect anything to happen at this point. It becomes even darker. But here's the important thing. Here's the important thing. Unbelievers, people who do not know Jesus, who have not surrendered their lives to him, this may be you. You're living under the weight of condemnation, and God will welcome you through repentance. Believers, maybe you're harboring sin, and you're living under the weight of Holy Spirit conviction. Why not repent? But there's maybe even another group here, people who profess faith in Jesus, living in habitual sin, not feeling anything from the Holy Spirit. That ought to terrify you. That ought to terrify you. Just like verse 9, don't deceive yourselves. The judgment of God is not just going to disappear or turn away. You're not just going to sort of wait it out and hope that he forgets that you've still got all this stuff that's hindering you from your relationship with God, believer or unbeliever, that all this stuff is, is the reason why you will spend eternity in hell if you were to die right now. Man, we're so self-deceptive to the point of just hoping it goes away. Maybe, maybe it's self-deceptive to the point of abusing grace or trying to work the system. Remember a long time ago, there was a, a big movement of couponing 
I know my wife did it a little bit. She had a, a notebook, coupons upon coupons and a little folder, you know, uh, pocket, pocket things, clear pocket things. And these people would save just uh, insane amounts of money on the groceries using these, these coupons. And people look at God and, and the spiritual life often as something like that, a system to be worked. Well, I can give a little here. I can serve a little here. I can, I can do these things as long as I can maintain this over here. But without surrender, that judgment doesn't change. You're still, you're still under it. Don't think you can sort of weasel your way out of it. Surrender, according to God's word, no peace. Escape judgment. We read these things, we hear about Zedekiah, and, and you, you must realize, like, Zedekiah's record here is so that we don't walk in the way of Zedekiah. So first two principles, God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. Without surrender, judgment doesn't change. You may need to hear these things today for yourself, but you certainly need to remember these things if you want to persist in ministry. That word persist is key. That is moving forward, going ahead, even when there is opposition. We need to remember these things because this is regular ministry in the church. This is regular discipling one another, encouraging one another. Thirdly, third principle, verses 11 through 15, faithful witness may have undesirable repercussions undesirable repercussions so you see he gets falsely accused in these verses 11 through 15 he gets taken by Uriah. he gets put in front of the officials they beat him they put him in prison obviously the accusation is he's deserting to the chaldeans so they have absolutely no reason to believe that Jeremiah would desert to the Chaldeans because he has, not, he has not fought anything along the way. He's just been faithful to do his job. So these accusations are obviously unfounded. But I think what's interesting here is that Jeremiah is one who has warned people and warned people, get out of the city so that you can escape this judgment. If you look at the next chapter, 38 and verse 2, thus says the Lord, he who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, but he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall live his life as a prize of war and live. 21, chapter 21, verses 8 through 10. And to this people you shall say, thus says the Lord, behold, I set you the way of life and the way, set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who stays in this, this city shall die by sore, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes out, surrenders to the Chaldeans who are besieging, you shall live. You shall have his life as a prize of war. For I have set my face against this city for harm and not good, declares the Lord. 
it shall be given to the hand of the king of Babylon, and it shall, he shall burn it with fire. Just two examples of Jeremiah proclaiming to these people, you need to get out of the city. And Kidner writes here, he says, it was, of course, an odd thing to point others to safety while refusing it for oneself. You see, Jeremiah embraced this calling. He embraced this calling. I want to see these people saved, even if it means my life. And so he finds himself in prison. He finds himself in a pit. He finds himself being the object of hatred all over the land, even by his own family. And who does that sound like? You think about the Lord Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27, 42. What did they say about him? He saved others. He can't save himself. But this time, it wasn't a repercussion. It wasn't a byproduct. It was the whole point. He set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint, is what the Bible says. He set his face toward the cross. This is why he came. So, Jeremiah, I'm going to save these people no matter what it takes. And we see in this the Lord Jesus, the master, saying, I will save these people because I know what it will take to save them. There was that faithful witness. And as it pertains to us, don't be surprised when people hate you. They hated him first. Don't be surprised by rejection. Don't be surprised by the threat of persecution. This is all a part of being a faithful witness to Christ. Y'all read the headlines and, and, and we think of Afghanistan and we pray for Afghanistan and we do it as though we're sort of taken off guard. Why? You know, those people are over there dying because they knew that this was coming and they're gladly staying. They're gladly professing Jesus in the face of death. You know, and there are some among us who know their responsibility to faithfully preach the gospel to their family, even if it breaks the family. Does it mean that much to you? Are you willing to maintain that faithful witness? May have undesirable repercussions. Fourthly, finally, God sustains faithful ministry to the end. Verses 16 through 21. Now, as I was studying this, uh, you know, I can't tell you, I, I probably could have found it in a commentary somewhere, but obviously this week is, is not, has not been ideal. But as I was reading this, I couldn't help but laugh when I got to verse 17. King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? And he says, there is. So you can imagine. <laughs> You can imagine, oh, what's he going to say now? Is he going to change? 
Is he, is he going to change the, the outcome? Is he going to change his word? And Jeremiah's like, there is. And he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. That's not news, Jeremiah. I was telling the guys this morning, I immediately had the image of like that, that smiling emoji that also has tears. You know what I'm talking about? Like, ah. He was in there for many days, it says. He didn't change the message. Maybe the king's thinking, all right, I'm going to have him in prison. He wants to get out. Eventually, he's going to tell me what I need to hear, what I want to hear. But he's in there many days, locked up, but he preaches the same heavenly message. It's bad news for Zedekiah. It's bad news about God's judgment, about sin against a holy God. But you know what? In terms of the gospel, in terms of the whole story, we have to understand that bad news before we can get to the good news. You've heard me say this many times. There's no Jesus apart from repenting of sin. It's a both and. It's two sides of the same coin. There is bad news about sin, but there is good news about Jesus and sinner. It's the same message. Saint, it's the same message. The message we preach week after week. The same message that drives us to worship. The same message that reminds us of faith. Every day, it is the gospel. It never gets old. It never gets tired. It never gets unpretty to us. It is the most wonderful, life-giving message. Week after week after week, it's the same message. And Jeremiah is faithful to proclaim this. Destruction is coming to you, but salvation is found in Christ, so repent and believe. It's the same heavenly message. And then there are still the same worldly lies. Jeremiah says, hey, where are your prophets who prophesy to you? The king of Babylon will not come against you and against this land. Same worldly lies. You know what? You don't want to hear the Bible preached. You don't want to hear God's word. There are many, many, many people out there that be glad to tell you what you want to hear. If you don't want to hear it, just turn away. Go somewhere else and find something that just tickles you the right way. Same worldly lies. Same heavenly message, same worldly lies, but there is that same sustaining grace. Jeremiah, as I said, somewhat out of character, makes this plea, makes a plea not to go back to the the prison at Jonathan's house, the secretary. Let me stay here, Zedekiah, is what he says. And As God would have it in his providence, Zedekiah doesn't want Jeremiah's blood on his hands. And so it works works to his favor, in his favor. And here's the the point, and we're going to quit. God sustains faithful ministry to the end. Do you see right there at the end? So King Zedekiah gave orders, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guard, And a loaf of bread was given him daily from the baker's street till all the bread of the city was gone. 
So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. It's the same sustaining grace. Even as a captive, Jeremiah receives his daily bread. And who is our daily bread? But the Lord Jesus Christ. The word in human flesh. The word of the word. There's much we could apply here, maybe. I'm not prepared to this morning. So we have these four principles. God's aid doesn't come apart from God's command. Without surrender, judgment does not change. Faithful witness may have undesirable repercussions. God sustains faithful ministry to the end. And as I, as I read that, that point again, I think of uh, the Apostle Paul and the way that he wrote uh, at the end of Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why does he say that? Because he knows that there is ministry to be done and God will see him through to the end. Persistence. So I'm going to ask you as we close, will you walk in faithfulness to God? Will you persist in ministry knowing what may come? Will you live under the Lord Jesus Christ, his lordship, his authority with faith? Walk persistently into the days ahead. Maybe unbeliever, you have not truly met Jesus. And you know, if you're being real honest, that that death today, as I mentioned 